I guess we could start. <laughs> we finally got the clap out of the way and learned about the clap too. Double wham. Double clap. Please no. Double gonorrhea. Boom, boom. Blech. Welcome back to STD Talk with no. Maria. <laughs> Welcome back to True Crime Tried. It is a podcast where the planets align. Oh, got it. Three friends uh, chat true crime, astrology, any other weird bullshit, including STDs, that they can fit into this <laughs> podcast. We are your host, Hiano. Sarah. And Meredith. Welcome to episode 89-er, maybe? 89-er. 89-er. Yeah, I, I get the odd numbers and I'm really happy about it. So I'm I'm giving stories about an odd number of people today, too. Man, you're going to drive <laughs> me fucking crazy, but okay. The other yes, time, baby. too, you like to bring little, like, vignette, vignettes that are of threes, too. You did that I with do. The- I do. Mm-hmm. What is that? With- I don't know. I'm weird that way, I guess. I guess it's Sorry. the perfect amount of information to fit in a an episode. Yeah. Yeah. It's a trine. <gasps> True oh, crime trine. It's, it's a trine. <laughs> I get it now. I do have the website up to date, and there has been some posts to social media by the time. I saw it. Can, I saw the Can the people interact with me so I stay on social media or I'll never come back again? Oh, let me go like that. Thank you. Well, hit us up if you have any requests or if you have any requests out of any of us specifically. Now I have three undecided. I feel like I'm like my tattoo artist. Now I have three undecided spots open. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that'll be fun. I wouldn't mind some ideas, but I'll also pull stuff out of my ass. No worries. All right. Well, I have a trio of stories, and I think it'll be pretty apparent what the theme is after you've heard at least a couple of them. Or I could just come out and say it now. Which Let's you guess. Okay. Tacos. <laughs> Crimes against sushi. Oh, no. All right. So story one of three. Yay. On a calm Saturday in April 1994, Lillian DeClos was relaxing in her home in Pompano Beach, Florida. That sounds like Florida. Lillian DeClos was 89 and had earned the right to a leisurely lifestyle. She'd been a teacher and a nurse um, in her life, and she was described as kind and caring. She was expecting a visit later that day from her niece, June, who would stop by occasionally to help care for her. But before that visit, a man broke into Lillian's house in what was described as most likely an attempted robbery. Lillian had probably heard the commotion and then confronted the man in her house during his break-in, and he then attacked her. She fought for her life, but was beaten to death and then sexually assaulted. Oh. Later, when her niece June showed up for the appointed visit, she had the unfortunate luck to find the gruesome scene of her elderly aunt laying dead on the floor. Still in her nightgown, mm. with all of her cupboards and drawers rifled through and all of her belongings thrown around the house. Mm. Sheriff Gregory Tony of the Brawley Sheriff's Office, or BSO, which is like their neighborhood sheriff department kind of situation. The BSO stated that for the most part, there wasn't a single clue or witness, and the case went cold for 10 years. Jesus. Wow. Then in 2004, the local crime lab began doing DNA testing. 
So Lillian's case was re-examined and a DNA sample was isolated from semen that her killer had left behind on her nightgown. Ah. They submitted the sample to CODIS, but there weren't any hits. So still cold. Then another 15 years later, in 2019, the BSO formed a special cold case homicide unit. And then they started combing through this old evidence and discovered the DNA sample from Lillian's killer. The cold case unit then asked the Florida Department of Law Enforcement to perform a familial search of its state of Florida qualifying offender database in this case. So this technique uses like this forensic DNA profile that has been made um, from a sample in a, in a case. And they use that DNA profile to search for a possible first order relative to the contributor of that sample. So that would mean like a parent or child or a sibling, um, mm-hmm. someone immediately in that person's family. I just finished rereading I'll Be Gone in the Dark. So yep. that entire idea. Mm-hmm. So this testing came back with an actual hit to a known offender who had spent some time in Florida prison. And as such, he had DNA on file because it's common practice now that they actually will just take the DNA and... They might as fucking well. Yeah, right? Like, (laughs) have everything else in your life. You're here at a fucking prison. (laughs) Just give us your DNA. Because they also want to be able to connect them to other crimes if they have that evidence out there. But detectives learned that he was a primary family member to a man that had lived in the same neighborhood as Lillian, named Johnny Mac Brown. Okay. So Brown was a neighbor of Lillian back in the early 90s and was a Vietnam War veteran. Brown's family said that he had struggled with PTSD and drug addiction. Not enough of an excuse. He was kind of in and out of being able to have a stable financial situation. And eventually he actually passed away in 2010. And so the BSO didn't Ah. have the option of bringing him in for questioning. At least Joseph D'Angelo is still alive, that fucker. Right. What they could do, however, was dig up his corpse out of the grave and use his remains to test against the DNA sample. Let's disrupt your slumber, bitch. So they did. The The BSO detectives got a court order to exhume his remains from the South Florida National Cemetery in Palm Beach County. BSO's crime lab then showed that Brown's DNA was conclusively matched to the DNA left at the crime scene on Lillian's nightgown, and the results were 66.8 trillion times more likely that they came from Brown and Lillian than if they'd come from her and any other person. Okay. It's your guy. He was in the neighborhood. He was having mental struggles. He definitely was, but... Crime of opportunity that went horribly, horribly wrong. What a terrible opportunity. Do you think he was just there to rob, or do you think he also... Like I mean, no one's thinking women. clearly when they're when they're an addict. Yeah, yeah. I know, but the uh, I understand the robbery part, the sexual assault part on an elderly woman is the part I'm more like. Yeah, watching. yeah, that's the part that's really gross to me, and I don't understand. I mean, I know in other situations, right? Like there are criminals who become sexually aroused because of the act of violence, but I don't think that he's had any sort of history because he wasn't on the police's radar for anything like this. But he had, he had you know, PTSD. and he had never had he had war yeah, like experience maybe right, and it's Vietnam, so it's not a maybe, good one. Maybe in that experience, like there there were terrible things that happened to villagers way back yeah. then too. So I mean, maybe he took part in some of that, and he had some sort of flashback and played it out in his mind. I don't know. I don't really want to speculate too much on that. It's tragic, but yeah, just awful. So sixty six. Point eight trillion times more likely. It's basically, yep, this is your guy. So then in 2022, 28 years after the fact, the detectives presented their findings to the Broward State Attorney's Office for review, and the prosecutors agreed with BSO's findings that Brown was involved, slash the 
The guy. The guy. The guy. <laughs> in Lillian's, the guy in Lillian's murder. So after almost three decades in this fight for justice, Lillian DeClos' family believes that she can finally rest in peace as her murder is now considered solved. Broward Sheriff's Detective Dave Towsley later stated that Brown had never even been on law enforcement's radar, nor had he ever been connected to any other crimes. And Lillian's niece, June, who had found her, had said in a video released by the Sheriff's Department, I know wherever she is, she can sleep in peace. That's the same thing that happened with the Golden State Killer, too, is like, he never came up in their things until they really started getting the familial DNA matches. And they're like, oh, this guy's actually perfect, but... Mm-hmm. He hasn't been... Ah, I love DNA. Mm-hmm. I can never commit a crime, but I do love it. <laughs> it's so interesting, though. I would love to be on, like, the genealogy research team. For sure. Oh, right? God. Where they get the DNA, and then they kind of, like, give you a little bit of a starting point, and then you start from there. Oh, my God. Yeah, and, like, mapping those trees back and figuring out where people lived at that time, yep. and, like, were they nearby, or was it, like, their sibling, or yep. was there, like... I mean, I'm sure in, in other cases, even there's people who, you know, have like extramarital affairs that that result in. Oh, yeah. In siblings and stuff, half siblings and whatnot. I feel like that's coming up a lot with like Ancestry.com. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, hey. Hey, friend. <laughs> Family friend. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure, but I have a s- slight suspicion that I might be one of them. Oh, yeah. Because okay. I've, you- I've reached out to a familial aunt slash cousin. I can't remember what it yeah, I think she was an aunt, and she did not respond to me at all. Ooh, yeah. And she put her DNA. Mm. Did she put her DNA up on it though? Oh, you'd uh-huh. think if you did that, you would be interested in actually hearing from people that might be your family. But yeah. Oh, you know what? I think she was a great aunt. She would have been my biological father's aunt. Okay. Anyway, but like no one knows him on that side because he was also adopted. So if he was anyway, not important to the podcast. <laughs> She does sound kind of old. She might not be able to use the computer. Maybe she didn't put her own DNA up there. I mean, she's like in her 60s. Not that old. I guess not, but I have... She's on Facebook. That is true. <laughs> yeah. All right. Story two of three. Anna Kane was 26 and a mother of three in 1988. She was unemployed at the time, but had been working hard to turn her life around, away from her prior lifestyle of using drugs and doing sex work to make a living. She had two young sons and a nine-year-old daughter. They lived in Perry Township near Reading, Pennsylvania. Anna was described as a firecracker. She was very outgoing, not afraid of anything, honest, blunt, and caring. But then, suddenly, her body was found on October 23, 1988, along the Antonelli Trail in a sparsely wooded area near Route 662 in Perry Township. So she was found with bailing twine still wrapped around her neck. Oh, I hate that. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. The investigation and subsequent autopsy by the forensic pathologist, Dr. Neil A. Hoffman, determined that she had, in fact, been strangled. With the bailing? With bailing twine. Yeah. Which I'm interpreting that as, like, the kind of twine that they use to wrap, like, bales of hay. Well, Mm -hmm. I'm interpreting it as barbed wire. (laughs) Oh, no, I don't think it's barbed wire. Uh. It's It's like the kind of, like, not jute material, but, like, stronger... Like mm-hmm. plasticky kind of twine that like is really it's kind of thin, but it has to be super strong to deal with a whole fucking bale of hay. It's like really strong laterally, but like you can still kind of separate. It's it's weird, I think. But anyway, so she had been strangled. Her time of death was kind of an interesting thing here. So they determined that she had died about twelve hours prior to her body being discovered, 
which also wow. coincided with a rainstorm that had passed the prior night, but her clothes were still dry. So that indicated right to them then. that she had to have been strangled elsewhere and then her killer dumped her body at that site after the storm had passed. Okay. So she was also found with several facial bruises, which was most likely from a struggle with her killer. And she was last reported to have been seen around 1 a.m. on October 23rd walking downtown. So maybe she was, you know, just out with friends, but maybe she was also still trying to make uh, a little bit of a living. Yeah, maybe. Trying to get oh. away from sex work, but it's kind of hard thing to leave, you know? Yeah. So it does, I guess, pay decently well if you have three kids. I broke yeah. my crayon. Oh, no. Are these your crayons or are these your daughter's crayons? These were in the art bin, so they're new. it's a new box, but I didn't even apply that much pressure. Oh. Crayons these days. Oh, P.S. listeners, Hannah and I are drawing, which is going to be I'm hilarious. So excited. Woof, I'm so excited. I don't know if we got that in at the beginning. No, we did it. Carry on. Okay. So, like I said, her daughter named Tamika Reyes was nine years old at the time. Tamika later said in an interview with CNN that one of her favorite childhood memories was taking walks with her mother and seeing her suddenly dance to random music that would be playing in the stores that they passed by. After her death, Tamika's aunt took her in and raised her while her two younger brothers moved in with their father. Okay. So the the township's local newspaper, The Reading Eagle, which I I love that name. That's a literate (laughs) eagle. Yeah, but like also like the town is named Reading so that, or city is named Reading. I don't know. It just sounds cute. <laughs> so the Reading Eagle ran this front page story seeking information on Anna Kane's death. And in February of 1990, about 15 months after she was found, the paper received an anonymous letter from a self-proclaimed concerned citizen, um, a letter Great. that actually contained information and details that were not released to the public regarding Anna's murder. Oh, like the bailing Very wire. Very concerned citizen. Yeah. Creepy check. Suspicious check. Yeah. The years then turned into decades and police didn't know who the suspect was. They didn't really have any other leads to go off of. Just someone did this and then they had the audacity to mail in a letter about it. Just be like, hey, by the yeah. way, <laughs> yeah. you don't got it. Yeah. The one thing they did have was that key piece of evidence, the envelope. Uh-huh. Okay. Their crime lab's results that the right the letter writer didn't use one of those little sponge things with some water. He actually licked the envelope and left behind his DNA. Dumbass. <laughs> and they later found, too, that the DNA from the saliva did match what was found on Anna's clothing. Oh, okay. Which, from what I could find, they declined to state whether it was saliva or touch DNA or if it was semen left behind. Else? I'm yeah. assuming it was semen because... Of yeah. the state that she was in. But in 2022, so just last year, Pennsylvania State Police used genetic genealogy testing against the samples in this cold case file. The DNA information provided to public websites, like maybe Ancestry, came up with a match to several family members of a man named Scott Grimm. Grimm indeed. Name. Yeah. He was the same age as Anna at the time of her murder, also 26, and had been a resident of the area at the time, but also had never been on police's radar. Unfortunately, Grimm died in 2018, age 56. Oh. Is the is the theme here that they're all dead? <laughs> and don't, dead before justice. Don't get justice? Yeah. Ah. Died at age 56 of supposed natural causes, though they don't say specifically like what he died of. I'm assuming maybe heart attack because like, I don't know. That's the one thing that I feel like goes after men at like a later middle age. Oh, yeah. 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 
And if he's carrying stress like that with him his whole life, uh-huh. then, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so died of 56 of natural causes, and police were able to actually obtain a DNA sample in this case without having to dig up his body. So now Tamika has the answers that she wants. Oh, that's good, But though, not the least. way that she wants them. Yeah. Although she's sad for her grandmother, who was Anna's mother, because she had passed away before learning that the case was solved. Oh, Aww. yeah, that fucking sucks. Like, you just never know. Tamika says, quote, I felt a little bit of everything when I found out. I was happy to finally put a face behind the monster who took her from us, but upset that he will never be able to face consequences. Oh, my God, it's so annoying, to be honest. Yeah. I'm also upset. Yeah. So this brings me to my third story. They all get to me, but this one's like... Oh, God. <sighs> Joette Marie Smith had originally intended to be an art teacher and moved to California in the 1970s with the intention of going to school to pursue art education as her career. However, once in the Golden State and witnessing the fun-loving bohemian lifestyle of some of the residents along the coast, she decided to change course. Instead of teaching, Joette settled into the small town of Ben Lomond, California, which is a cozy, small, tight-knit community about 10 miles north of Santa Cruz. Sorry, what's her name? Joanne? Joette. Joette. J-O-E-T-T-E. I still have not heard of that, but okay. Yeah, it's kind of a fun name. It is. Mm-hmm. All right, so she moved into um, the small town of Ben Lomond, and there she moved into a small apartment and took over ownership of this quirky little restaurant across the street from where she lived called Buffalo Gals. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. It's like, God, what's that fucking movie? Uh, God, they dance in the bar a lot. I thought I had Buffalo in the name. Eh, never mind. They dance in the bar? It's the, like, booty girls. What do you call them? Uh... I'm thinking of, like, Coyote Ugly. Coyote Ugly is what I'm thinking of. I guess I thought a coyote was a buffalo. Uh, Very different (laughs) animal. Is what just happened right there. (laughs) I knew it wasn't some kind of animal. Okay. All right. So she takes over the little restaurant. It's lovely, although it wasn't without its challenges. Joette was set on making the business venture work and poured her heart and soul into that little restaurant. And soon she had a loyal following of both locals and tourists. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of trying to find the census count for Ben Lomond at the time, but it seems like it was in the hundreds. It was I've less than a thousand there. for it's sure. It's really cute, but like it's nothing. It's tiny and woodsy. And even if you're like outside of town proper, there's like not there's a whole not lot. There's not a whole lot. There. Like well, there's a yeah. lot of those little tiny, tiny ass towns yeah. on like the California coast. Yeah. Really cute. Really cute. I believe Ben Lomond, but it might be a different one, has a very nice bakery. Oh. Hmm. So. I have to. throwing that out there while i'm still in california yeah let's not talk Um, about you leaving because i don't want to hear about about it (laughs) all right she has a loyal following of both her locals and tourists and according to a review by the valley press the restaurant had an eclectic feel and was bolstered by the incredibly sophisticated menu all of which joette cooked herself and would change daily cooked it herself also it better be eclectic it's called buffalo gals (laughs) i'd be upset if i went to a buffalo gals and it was boring there was also note that she had it arranged kind of like a grandma's parlor. So it had like old eclectic furniture in oh, it and it was like really cozy cool. feeling. Love it. Yeah. She also bought local and organic and served to anyone who could pay and then often donated to those who couldn't. Aww, Very Californian. Love that. Not the donation thing. I wouldn't say Californians are overly charity, but like the eating local thing. Yeah. 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 And organic. And organic. <laughs> well, I mean- by, like, Santa Cruz and stuff, there's a lot of, like, Castroville and stuff is where all, like, the 
Brussels sprouts and shit are grown. So there's a- and strawberries. And strawberries. So there's a lot of farming mm-hmm. around that area too. Yeah. I don't know why it defaults to Brussels sprouts over strawberries, but <laughs> Brussels sprouts, strawberries, lettuce. We passed by like all of it on our way to Carmel. Oh like, yeah. We took the kind of coastal route down. Okay. Oh yeah. They also had live music in the restaurant too. Oh, just fun. for an added level of fun. So in 1983, Joette Marie Smith, she was 33, happily single, beloved owner ah! of Buffalo Gals Restaurant in this tiny, cozy, woodsy community. Don't get into men. <laughs> and then on the night of March 27th, 1983, Joette was enjoying a night in with her roommate, Rachel Devereaux. The two shared an apartment across the street from Joette's restaurant, and they had been lounging, eating popcorn, and watching the TV series The Thornbirds. Which I've never, never heard of it, but it reminds me of the thornberries. That's what I'm thinking of. But <laughs> yeah. I don't think that the wild thornberries. what it is. <laughs> so then they stayed up to watch the 11 o'clock news, after which Rachel then went to bed and Joette made a few phone calls. She must have changed her mind, though, about going out because she was then later seen leaving the local bar called Henfling's Tavern. Sorry, she's in her mid-30s? <laughs> she's 33. After the 11 o'clock news? Watching the 11 o'clock news and then goes out to the bar. Yeah. Like, no thanks. Oh, boy. I'm in. After cooking all day. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, but then she was seen walking home alone at night after leaving the bar, which probably wasn't a big deal back then in that small town where, like, everyone knew each other and it wasn't that far away. Yeah. Except for the fact that her absence was then noted the next day at the restaurant. Yeah. They're like, where's our bar? Where's our cook? (laughs) Yeah. Where's our owner? (laughs) We're missing a lot of things here. She was found two days later on March 29th floating in the San Lorenzo River. Oh, no. Her body was badly bruised and cut and was found because she had become snagged in a submerged tree branch near the 200 block of North Woodland Avenue in Ben Lomond. Uh, Hate it. Officials estimated that she had been killed in the early morning hours of the day prior, which they would later learn from interviewing witnesses um, that this matches the time frame with her walk home from the bar. And according to the archived local newspaper, quote, she wore a strand of pearls, one nylon on her leg, and a black boot. Upstream, about a quarter of a mile on the riverbank, just below the bridge spanning the San Lorenzo River on the south side of Ben Lomond, were Smith's clothes, a blue nurse's cape among them, according to sheriff's investigator Joseph Hennard. Apparently, like like a little cape as hers. Oh. But like, like stylistically, as a, oh, like okay. a, instead of a coat, to wear a cape over a dress when you're going out. Yeah, I see now. Smith is thought to have met her assailant or assailants on or near the bridge about 50 feet from her Hillside Avenue home. She had been sexually assaulted, said Hennard. Unquote. Yeah. So the investigators also discovered other pieces of evidence at the crime scene, and detectives spent years interviewing dozens of people and investigating lots of leads and tips, but no viable suspect was identified that they could move forward on. Then a break in the case came about five years later, in 1988, when they learned from a local during another interview that a man had asked Joette for a date while he was eating in her restaurant. She had declined. Bad luck. Yeah. yeah. Don't, don't, don't do she's, that. She's working. Let her be. She's happy and single. Leave her alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Another female worker later said that he showed up to her door to give her the news about Joette after her death, and she thought it was really scary because she had never told Drummond where she'd lived. Oh, fuck. Was he like a regular? Yeah. Okay. But still, what? Yeah. So shortly after her death, this man Drummond abruptly left town, but not only the town of Ben Lomond, but the entire state of California entirely. I'm really sad. Like, it's a cute little, like, right on the ocean, like, Mm -hmm. idyllic, I would say, like, 
a place I might want to end up. I don't want to hear about a murder there. I mean, it's not, it's not right on the ocean. It's still a little bit it's inland. It's a little bit inland, but, but yeah. close enough. Because, like, north of Santa Cruz is still inland from the coast. Yeah. Like, west of Santa Cruz is still coastline. But, yeah, I mean, cute, cozy neighborhood, and then this sort of terrible thing happens there. Okay. So, shortly after her death, this man, Drummond, abruptly leaves town. And so then this is, like, a huge red flag. <laughs> yeah. For the, the investigators, right? So they look into him, and this turns up an extensive tr- criminal record with multiple sexual assaults and convictions in California and Nevada. However, okay. while there was, like, all of this circumstantial information tying him to this crime, there was no actual criminal case that could be brought against him because there wasn't physical evidence that he was there that they could go off of because it's the 80s. I'm so tired yeah. of men and their stupid-ass horniness and just, like, just masturbate. <laughs> Yeah. If you get told no, the rest of the world means isn't no. here for your fucking dick to be stuck in. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of how bed bugs mate. How do bed bugs mate? So males just have like a really pointy penile projection. Oh, isn't that like cats? And they don't, well, not like barbed, but like oh. the, the male bed bug doesn't really discern what they're sticking it in. <laughs> so they'll literally just stab anything. Oh, God. They'll just stab anything that it comes into contact oh, with. Oh, God, I see now. And so because of their proximity to females, they usually just end up stabbing a female, but, like, they don't really care where they're injecting their sperm. That they're describes like, a lot of men, actually. Straight into the body. Here you go. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's nasty. So they couldn't really do anything. So the police just basically keep an eye on him um, from afar and waiting in the cold case piles for this science to catch up and make their DNA evidence useful. Yeah. Because there was DNA collected from her dress that was found on the shore. Lisa collected it. Before we even knew DNA was useful. Yeah, like they had the mindset of like, we can't use this now, but we will someday. Man, that's cool. So then early in 2022, last year, Joette's clothing was then re-examined using the new, improved, up-to-date DNA testing methods. And they were able to establish a suspect DNA profile from the semen found on her dress. The investigators saw that there might have finally been a chance to charge Drummond, who had been kind of in and out of the state. fucking dead? No. So, well. Ah, uh, fuck. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> so in August of 2022, the sheriff's investigators go up to find Drummond at his residence in Sierra County. So this is like an area just like north of Lake Tahoe area. He's back in the state. And they obtain a DNA sample from him. But then the fact that they did this kind of like cues him into what's ah. going on. So he's 64 and he knows that his days of freedom are limited. Mm-hmm. So, unfortunately, during the final investigative steps, while they were trying to do all the right things, check all the right boxes to obtain a arrest warrant for him, he died by suicide in the hills oh. of Sierra County. I'll say at least he fucking knew it was coming. Yeah. Then he's not, like, a leech on the state. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. The other ones died before they even knew. Like, yeah. Just lived- I hope they lived their life with their fucking, like, eyes in the back of their head. I'm trying to figure out what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I, that's that was my point, too. It's like, I think he probably had a heart attack because he was so stressed for so long. Yeah. Yeah. Good. And the other one was, like, already stressed and, like, freaking out and was not leading a good life to begin with. No. Drummond did actually serve some time in prison in his life. He had served 16 months in late 1983 for an attempted homicide and assault in Reading. And then four years, starting in 1988, for a violent assault on this family and a car theft in Nevada. 
but he obviously can't face a uh, jury or prison time for his murder of Joette Smith. Fucking coward. Um, yeah. yeah. So Joette's sister, Yvette Smith Nixish. I'm sorry, Yvette. Quote, Drummond's death was a little bit of a letdown, but I don't feel like we didn't get justice. The DNA was a match and it's closure. She's yeah. Saying. It's closure. And honestly, I'm, I'm glad he knew he was caught. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, well, this is it. It's a lot less ass, but I know they died like 20 years ago. So her restaurant had been popular with the locals and arranged, like I said, like a eclectic grandma's parlor. It was a fun place to be and business had been picking up when she died. So the entire town was just enraged. But weeks leading up to her death, she actually started saying to her friends that she thought she was always destined to die young. Sorry, Aww. what? Like premonition uh-huh. almost. Uh. Yeah. And she gave away a lot of her prized possessions, saying that she won't feel like she's needing going to be needing them. Aww. And she called people that she hadn't spoke to in a long time and just checked in to say hi and that she cared about them. Oh, that's so sweet. Jesus. But like, that's so. But why did she think that? I mean, my uncle also thought that and he died like in his 40s. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, it it happens. We're like, I don't know. Like, I've, you I've just heard of that have a before feeling. where people were just like, I'm not going to live very long. I'm just going to enjoy it while I'm here. And see, I expect to live forever and not enjoy any part of it. <laughs> well, yeah. So, who's worse? So, Smith's other sister, Annette Anderson, tells the Chronicle that she only wishes that her sister could have lived long enough to be on the Food Network or that more uh, people could have gotten to know her. Oh, my God. Yeah. She was really that much. Guy of- Fieri. Who's from California, like Fortuna, maybe? He could have gone on diners, drive-ins, and dives. Yeah. Have a cute little place. Yeah. I really like Guy Fieri. I don't know why. <laughs> His hair kind of, like, irks me a it's, bit. It's uh, unclear why I like Guy Fieri, but <laughs> he charms me. It's got to be the, like, sandwich hunch. He does hunch. Yeah. He gets really into it. That good bite sandwich hunch like you yeah where you gotta like hunch over to like get the like primary oh, the juices sort of and everything juice all over you too so juices on the table yeah. and stuff yeah i see okay so i was trying to read into this a little bit further i couldn't find the name of the restaurant owner after joette but unfortunately there was another headline of this restaurant in the newspaper and it wasn't attached to her great it was set on fire ah mm. when so Arson was suspected as the cause of a fire that happened in April, like a month later. Weird. Maybe insurance? Like the new owner was like, meh. Oh my God. That's such a fast way to get a new owner though. But I guess Mm -hmm. he had a plan. (laughs) (laughs) Sheriff Sergeant Carl Kubler said the fire broke out at 2.05 a.m. at Buffalo Gals Restaurant on 105 Hillside Avenue on Saturday. And the date was weirdly redacted, but it was in a newspaper (laughs) article that I can also link. It's a secret. (laughs) <laughs> it's a secret. But Kubler said the investigators are working to determine if the arson was connected to a strangulation slaying of Joette Marie Smith, age 33, the restaurant's former owner, who was found dead in the San Lorenzo River on March 29th. Detectives say that the popular restaurateur had been sexually molested, although they don't know if she was raped. Yeah, let's just take that part out. She yeah, was let's not. She did okay. not want to be with this fucker. Also, why are you calling it sexually molested if she was obviously not... Like, yeah, but Weston uh, is yeah. still bad. Yeah. It's it's not. There was semen on her dress. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, it's the early 80s and things were nasty back then, but like that can, the wording on that can really change. 
I'm just thinking premature ejaculation. Like, you couldn't, like, actually Ooh. attack her because oh. he was so excited. But. I mean, in the more, like, written out articles, it says that she was... Right, um, okay. Yeah. So, like, I'm, maybe this, j- just because it was a local newspaper, they didn't want to go into that detail. So they said sexually maybe. molested, which is not that much better. It's... No. Well, and it's not the truth. Not the truth either. Yeah, there's yeah. that too. So according to the sheriff's deputies in this case, a gallon can of kerosene was found under the front porch of Buffalo Gals, and there was fire damage sustained to the front end of the restaurant and to the side of an adjoining shop, which was Al's upholstery shop. Sorry, Al. Oh. And the damage was estimated at 10000 So there was news that, like, there had been this hitchhiker who saw a car drive up and a man, like, running out of the building and then jumping into the car and then driving away. And then, like, then they saw that the building had caught fire, basically, and that's when they called it in. Weird. Sad thing is, I don't know what what happened to the restaurant after. I can't find anything on it. Yeah. I must be terrible at sleuthing because I feel like I can't find any sort of details about this. But nor can I find whether or not, like, the restaurant changed ownership and then went under or if they, like did away with it after the fire happened and everything. But it's just so sad to me that not only was, like, her joyful presence taken away from this community, but, like, the restaurant that she worked so hard for, like, her pride and joy was also taken away. Yeah, Yeah, it sounds like it was kind of a go-to spot for the town as well. So, I mean, it's like a double loss for everyone. I'm wrong. The bakery is in Davenport, but... okay. Crystal drive through That's there. That's gonna fuck cute. up my drawing, but it's fine. <laughs> so I just I wanted to. Oh, did you put a bakery? <laughs> Some sort of baked yeah. good. <laughs> it's a donut. I just wanted to share these three stories of women who were attacked and then not found. Like they had their families didn't have any closure for decades. Yeah, the bodies were found. I guess. I mean, no, yeah, but like weren't they didn't have closure? Was what I was trying to say. Yes. I'm going to say, I don't know what is worse, though, to not find a body and then never know what has happened or to at least know, okay, you can put your hope away because I don't remember who said that. Like, hope is fucking paralyzing. It is. Like, it's not the best emotion, like, most useful emotion to have. But, like, if it was your family member, you'd never put that away. And then, then what would you do with your life? But to know, too, that, like, someone's walking around out there scot-free. Yeah. That would make me very mad. I would be livid. Yeah. It's all bad. Can we just stop fucking killing each other and fucking men? Ugh. Just no means no. Not everyone wants to have fucking sex with you. You're not that great. (laughs) It makes me wonder, like, if the punishment wasn't just jail time, like, if you got castrated or something... Yeah. That? Like, we're just going to confiscate these and put them on ice until you are maybe rehabilitated for a we're while. confiscate this penis because you don't know how to use it. <laughs> you could be a member of society without this you now. Don't, you okay, thanks, exactly bye. don't need it. I'm going back to the dick guillotine oh, that we talked about at some point. <laughs> I don't remember what point. That I could have drawn. I didn't for this, oh, though. Man. Okay. I want to state one last thing, and that is just these three victims' names. Oh, so yeah. Lillian DeClos who was 89, Anna Kane, who was 26, and Joette Smith, who was 33. They have justice in some form or another. In some form or another. And their family knows, at least. Like, Yeah. I mean, I forgot her name. The Pennsylvania one had, like, three kids. Yeah, that's tragic. Mm -hmm. That's 
good that they figured out what happened, I guess. It's overall disappointing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that what the yep. theme of this this one was? Disappointment. Overall disappointment. <laughs> I didn't want it to be disappointment. I wanted it to be acknowledgement that like not all cases always go according to plan, but because of things like DNA and like using these tool sets that we didn't used to have, thanks science. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of this old stuff that people are still waiting to hear about, they might actually have a chance to hear about. Cold cases can be reheated. Yeah, they absolutely can. And the technology that we have these days is absolutely insane. Like the Parabon technology where they're taking the mm-hmm. DNA to tell you physical traits of the person. Yeah, what does this person's face probably look like? Like that's exactly. awesome Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy pants. And we've been hearing again and again in the news that cases that are 40, 50, 60, 70 years old are being not necessarily solved, but victims are being identified at minimum. So Also huge, because that's what I, like, if you've been waiting to find out what happened to so-and-so. Did you yeah. hear about the boy in the box? No. Oh, yeah, they did identify him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They identified the boy in the box that was found, like, literally in a cardboard box. He was, like, four years old Jesus. or six years old. Yeah. But it was, like, tiny and they, you know, suspected abuse all along because of how small he was for his age and everything. God, I just fucking saw, if we're going on what we've seen the terrible news recently, San Diego, maybe? I don't remember where it was exactly, but recently authorities found a child who was nine years old who had never been allowed mm-hmm. to leave the house. Oh, my God. I don't remember where that was, but it was just like, it was like, ugh. Oh, the mother who no, it's the, um who like took in the the neighbor's no, kid because they had to move or something. No, oh. that's Gertrude. I'm thinking of um. Oh God, I'm not thinking the right name though. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. She was like kept in a basement for literally like a decade. Yeah, and never learned like personal skills, like how to be with people. Yeah, Jeannie. So it was Jeannie the feral child. Oh, so bad. But like they just found an- another one. Who was like nine. Oh my god. Yeah, it's insane. Uh, Jeannie wasn't found until she was 13, but like, nine is still like, she's found in Arcadia? Sorry. Oh wait, wrong Arcadia. Buffalo Gals is now Casa Nostra, and it went, it's an Italian restaurant, and it went through multiple hands, and it looks like they were all Italian restaurants after Buffalo Gals. I feel like I might have been there because my family also loves to go to Italian restaurants when we're on vacation. <laughs> Damn, I totally won't be able to go to that because I can't have pasta or bread. So Italian's pretty much off the menu oh, for me. That's a, mm. Sometimes you can get a really good like Italian type salad with yummy salad stuff. Salami. Like the antipasto? Yeah. Those immediately give me heartburn. I don't know why. Like, I can eat all those ingredients, but, like, as soon as it's with lettuce, like, uh, nope. All right, they have my go-to order here, so I would have to order this. Linguini alla vancole. But sometimes they have gluten-free past. Like, they had that place we went. They don't seem to have it here, though. (laughs) I'm on the menu. (laughs) (laughs) So they do have antipost. How long did it take you to I find know, I that say, information out, Meredith? Like, I was going to say, fuck? Meredith can find it. <laughs> I was looking for like 30 minutes and I was like, fuck this shit. I don't have time. <laughs> um, it's like five know, minutes. Three minutes. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh my God. <sighs> <sighs> okay. All right. Well, let's all praise DNA. Yes. It serves yay. so many purposes for yay, us. Yay, yay, DNA. Wear your sunscreen. Wear your sunscreen. 
Be tasty. <laughs> it's fine, girl. Guy. Oh, hell yeah. I'm like translucent. Oh, man. I am. <laughs> it's totally Ooh, fine. Don't worry about it. None of that early aughts. That's hot now. bullshit. What's hot now? <laughs> Being the color that you're born with. Yes. And yeah. not having melanomas. Yeah. Oh, man. Ass news. Time for some ass news. I'm trying to make us jingles and corners and sayings. It's not going to happen. All right, ass news. I was trying to think of something. Turn around, it's time for some ass news. That's what it was from last week. Yeah, yes. it was. Yeah, turn around. Yeah. <laughs> so this episode is hopefully going to air on Monday, January 23rd. So good thing is, is if I do get it out late, our astrology doesn't start until Tuesday, January 24th. So you won't be missing anything on Monday. But on Tuesday, the sun in Aquarius is going to be sextile with Jupiter in Aries. And this Mm. is a very optimistic aspect. And it's going to be a really positive day. It'll be a really great day to start new projects, kind of expand your social circle. Maybe I'll start my job. (laughs) Oh, that would be great. I still haven't heard shit. But Tuesday... It's all going to kind of work out. So it's going to be a very, very good day. And then on Thursday, Venus enters Pisces. Oh, that's too lovey-dovey for me. And dreamy. You're going to have dreams and delusions of things. I don't know what's wrong with me today. But like, I am not feeling relationships with men. (laughs) But I also don't want to fuck a woman. It's too, yeah, unfortunately. The Venus thing isn't always like... It's not always about partners, like yeah. romantic partners. Sometimes it's about friends. But and it's just still a little bit of a delusional clinging to a dream of an idea and not necessarily the reality of that person. But we've talked about this before. It it could be your love of food. It could be your love of books. It could be your love of anything, really. Mm-hmm. So you could just fall in love with a really great book and fall in love with a really cool restaurant that you can sit and read your book, right? Like, And as much as Hannah's shitting all over the whole Pisces theme <laughs> of it. Sorry. So says our resident Pisces. It lends a bit of creativity and like fun finding with yeah. it too. Because like that, you go off to dreamland and your brain just runs wild. And that's where the You'll see our drawings, from. folks. <laughs> 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 and also, I'm afraid to drive anywhere and go to that fancy restaurant. For fear my car won't start again. Maybe Tuesday that'll get worked out. And then Thursday you can enjoy some really great food and a good book. It'll be great. All right. And then we're going to wrap up this week on Sunday, January 29th with two trines. Count them. Two. Threes, folks. Yeah. So the first one is the sun in Aquarius will be trying with Mars and Gemini. Hmm. As you can imagine. Airy, airy, airy. This is a very social aspect. That makes sense. So it's party time, basically. You're ready to have some fun. Don't stay home. Get out of the house. But it says don't make firm plans. So kind of just go with the flow. I'll pencil you Ah, in. Yeah. Follow your bliss. Yeah, follow your bliss. And then also Mercury and Capricorn is going to be trying with Uranus and Taurus. And so... 
This is going to bring fresh ideas and it's going to give us some positive energy when it comes to finances, careers, <gasps> and then thank God, even our technology is going to be like on point. So definitely Sunday is going to be a good day to My finances need help from every angle. If the stars want to help, fine. All right, folks, I'm guessing you are so glad we're back and we're glad to be back as well. And we will try to keep this train on the tracks, slightly wobbly because we do drink a lot. But if you want to reach out to us, if you have any suggestions for cases that you'd like to hear in the new year, you can reach us on Twitter at True Train, on Instagram at True Crime Train, Facebook at TCT Podcast. You can email us directly at truecrimetrain at gmail.com and check out our newly updated website, www.truecrimetrain.com. And the food pairing for this episode is going to be a piece of pie because I drew a piece of pie, even though there wasn't actually a bakery <laughs> the bakery I was thinking of, but it's fine. It's a piece of local pie. Help a oh, cute yeah. little local bakery. If you're coastal, make it local fish. But. And if you're not coastal, make it local pie. Yeah. And if you hate pie, any local bakery will do. If you hate sweets, I don't know what to tell you. Meat pie. <gasps> yeah, shepherd's Ooh, pie. meat pie. Okay, bye. Bye. Music for our podcast was handcrafted by the talented and creative minds of Mike Warren and Pete Ortega. Our artwork was imagined and skillfully designed by the lovely Sarah Guest. As for production, well, they call me post-production. Show notes are available upon request. Just email truecrimetrine at gmail.com. Join us again next week for another tantalizing episode.